Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Blog Talk Radio. Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm your host, Russell Hartman, here as always, and joining us for the first time in a while, but one of the OGs, our editor-in-chief of ForeverBlueShirts.com, Mr. Zach Chigger. Zach, what's up, buddy? Hello, Zach, you there? You joining us? Sorry, guys, we appear to be experiencing some technical difficulties really quickly, so I'll get things started while uh, Zach calls back into the episode. So, to get things started, obviously today we are trying to discuss, I say trying, but we are going to discuss the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And let me introduce my second co-host here, Mr. John Luke Shapiro. What's up, buddy? Hi, guys. My phone sucks, but hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Zach was here. I think the call dropped. He'll be calling back in shortly. So before we begin, though, man, our Temi Panarin on the handshake line, laughing, giggling, and Nikita Kucherov. What was that all about, huh? Oh, savage. He just he saw him coming from a mile away. His headlights came on. Oh, hot dog. That was hilarious. Crazy, oh, yeah. right? Oh my God! Yeah. Like is that saw him coming. I mean, you know, I understand your friend, but even then, do you want do you, do you really want to do that? Straight savage <laughs> stuff from Panarin on the handshake. Line. I'd do it. If I was in his spot, <laughs> I'd do it. I think it's hilarious. Right? Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. It was great fun. And now joining us, hopefully this time we can hear him, Mr. Zach Chigger. What's up, Zach? Hey boys, how are you? There he is. What's up, buddy? Not much. How's everything? Good. How's everything with you, man? Good. Just uh, getting ready for the Passover holiday, enjoying some, uh, some unfortunately a little bit too early of a 
spring uh, golf season and uh, enjoying watching Zook destroy the Predators tonight. There we go. But we are definitely going to get to that because the Predators and Stars have been one of my favorite series in the first round. But, you know, I was telling JL, Zach, you know, Artemi Panarin in the handshake line, that was some pretty savage stuff, man. That was uh, <laughs> that was some countryman on countryman crime right there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you love to see the spirit that these guys have, but man, you got to believe that the Tampa Bay Lightning have that in their minds as they approach this way too early summer for that organization, you know? Yeah, that's uh it's kind of kind of hard to figure out what went wrong with the Lightning. Was it, you know, some people are saying that they just had too easy of a season. Some people were blaming the injuries to Hedman and Strawman and, you know, it, the, the only answers are going to be from themselves. Some are blaming John Cooper for not getting his team ready. Um, you just, I, I mean, think you just have let's to, call it what it is here, just, right? It, it's an embarrassment. Yeah. That, that's basically what it's, it is. Oh, it's, it's one of the biggest uh, choke jobs we've seen in sports in quite in, some time. In, yeah, absolutely, in the history of sports. I mean, you know, JL, the Lightning all year with this dominant force had a goal differential of over 100. Unbelievable. Setting records, 62 wins. And he had Kucherov with 128 points. We go on all day. But this oh, yeah. team no, absolutely. chokes it away in round one against the Jackets, who have basically been fighting for their playoff lives since the deadline. And – they show absolutely no fire. You know, no. what, is and is this the biggest upset in sports history, or is it up there? Is it top five? You, top three? No, what it's you definitely this? up there. No, it's, it definitely has to be up there, because if you watch the way Tampa just steamrolled through teams throughout the season, and, 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 and I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, ex- over-exaggerate, but if you watch them, they steamrolled teams. They, they did, absolutely. Steamrolled teams, and so now... You look at the like I, I was watching a couple of the games and and I was just I was flabbergasted. I mean that's how crazy it is that I have to use the word flabbergasted at the fact that these guys they're so talented. I mean how do you not put a dent on the Columbus Blue Jackets with guys like Stamkos, Hedman, Strawman, Kucherov, Kucherov of all people for goodness sake, Braden yeah. Point, and you just lay an egg. Just goes to show you that once you get into the playoffs, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's a completely different animal. Yeah, and oh. you know, you got to credit, you really have to credit what Yarmo Kekalainen did at the deadline. He decided, you know, I'm, if I'm going to lose Panarin and Bobrovsky, I'm going to go out swinging. You know, all of these mm-hmm. deadline acquisitions, I would say, with the, you know, I wouldn't really count Adam McQuaid at this point since he's been injured, but Matthew Shane has been a steam engine since he's been on this team. Ryan Dezingle has fit in seamlessly with this team. You know, you're seeing guys that are just fighting for a cause you know they're fighting together because they've been fighting and getting this position since you know like we've been saying the deadline they have been just clawing tooth and nail and tampa bay just didn't know what hit them after that first period in game one you know if you listen to john Tortorella's speech to his team fired him up and they never looked back after that and it was like a whole new ball game so you know that series is done columbus wins in four games we're all left shocked. And, you know, one of the biggest moments in that series was Nikita Kucherov getting suspended. Zach, did you think what he did warranted that kind of suspension, or did he deserve more games? He definitely warranted a suspension. 
Um, you know, I don't know if maybe because he's, you know, one of the stars of the league um, and a surefire candidate, if not the runaway winner of the Hart Trophy, although, you know, the postseason lack of production should come into play, but it is a regular season trophy, so we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, it was definitely a dangerous play. Um, definitely a suspendable hit and definitely worthy of a suspension. Um, but part of why I, I I told you guys I wanted to talk about the suspensions was it was actually a point I heard made by Jack Edwards, of all people, was that with the, the Nazem Kadri play in the Bruins and Maple Leaf series, you know, the, the suspension that was given from the Department of Player Safety was it wasn't a set number of games. It was whenever the first round is over, that's when you can come back and play. And whether that's in the beginning of May, end of April, or whether that's in September for the preseason next year, Kadri's can either sit out three games, which is possible if the Bruins win the final, or Maple Leafs win the final two games, or the next two games, I should say, and win the series in six, or whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, it goes seven and he has to sit out another, an extra game. So, you know, I think the problem with what they did was leaving it open because you don't have a set precedent now. When, when, uh, when Chris Simon, you know, two-hand baseball swung his stick at Ryan Holwick, all those years ago, he got twenty something games. Now, granted, this wasn't a you know. I, I was, was about similar, to say, yeah, that's that's a very different kind of thing. It, I mean, it, yeah, what Chris Simon was, did is that, is basically inexcusable. No, no, of course, like, of course, yeah. it was, of course, it was it was much more violent. It was it was much more violent. It was it was it was uh, it was so much worse on so many levels. But the point the point I'm trying to make is that. The NHL came out with a clear suspension. Twenty, whatever it was, twenty-five games, I think. Yeah, no, it's under. It's understandable. With, with Kad, yeah, I see where you're coming right, from. With Kad, with Kadri, repeat offender. Um, he was suspended last playoffs also for three games, and now the guy cross-checks the guy in the face and gets a minimum of the suspension he got last year. Yeah. You're not. You're not you're not telling your players that what they're doing is wrong. You're just telling them that they can get by with the minimum. So well, I think it's the league wants to defend. interject real quick. Yeah, yeah, go Makes me think of yeah. a point. So you you say that the the NHL didn't really set an example, and, and I think you're right on that that they didn't really set an example because obviously he's a repeat offender, and knowing kind of the player that Kadri is. He, he it kind of seems like it was intentional. You can talk about heat of the moment and whatever this, that, and the fourth, but it gets to a point where you have to kind of be um, into it or you have to be aware. So my question is to you is do you think that maybe the suspension should have been a little harsher? Rather, instead of just suspending him for the whole first round, maybe have it leak into the next season? Because I feel like I've seen that happen before. I don't I, I'm drawing a blank right now. Maybe it's happened in baseball, but I'm not entirely sure if it's happened in hockey. Please, somebody correct me. But would you well, think that maybe getting rid of him 
for the majority of the playoff games Toronto plays in and some games throughout the regular season for the following year would be an appropriate punishment? I personally think so because he's a repeat well, offender. I, the, the guy just, you know, he's just he's an idiot. I, I hate to say it. Right, so I, I know it happened with Simon because that was towards the end of the regular season, but there weren't any playoff games for the Islanders that year. Um I my feeling was it was a five to ten game suspension, and you just pick the number and whatever the number is. If it's if the Maple Leafs get to the second round, he sits out the beginning of the second round. If they lose in the first, then he sits out the first two games of next season. I, I think that the problem that player safety created for themselves was it's great that they're suspending guys for the high hits. Uh, Joe Thorne got suspended for a stupid play that he made uh, at the end of game three, and his team is now down three to one to Vegas, who are just absolutely uh, destroying the life of Martin Jones right now. Um, But I I think player safety, as good as it's been seeing them suspend guys and suspend the high-profile players for when they do things that are uh, dangerous, you you have to set a precedent and make sure that your players know that if you crush like a guy in the face, um, it's it's going to be a set number. It can't just yeah. be oh we'll see I agree how, with that. We'll see how your yeah. we'll see how your team does, and if you get you know, and if you lose, then you get off easy. Yeah, and it shouldn't matter who it is who does the cross check, and it shouldn't be any any lack of punishment depending on your star status in the league. If you do something like that. There needs to be a precedent so people know what is expected here. And, and I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, so, speaking yeah, the, of – Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah just, just one more point on the penalties um, that are not being called, uh, being that we're on the topic. So, Rick Carpinello has been uh, from The Athletic. Um, it was a great follow, by the way, for anyone, anyone in Raiderstand who has not yet following him. Um, the the, the cross checks and the slashes that go uncalled, and then we see um, a guy get called for a stupid penalty or just a guy getting beat down in the corners. Like, all right, one slash, fine. Two slashes, all right, you're cutting it close. Three, four, five, six, seven. And we saw this in the Islanders series. And there were Ranger fans like myself and like Rick um, and like so many others who were saying, all right, the guy's on the ground already. Why do you keep hitting him? He, he was down on the ground, and the Islanders player got four, uh, got four sl- uh, slashes and cross-checks to the back while he was already down on the ice. I, I think there, there's, it's one thing to call it playoff refereeing. It's another thing to, uh, you know, the, the defenseless receiver rule that they have in football. The, the guy can't protect himself if he's curled up on the ice, and the, the defenseman is just whacking at him for for no no real reason. Yeah. And, you know, they say playoff hockey, you need to let them play. And to a certain extent, I do agree with that. But it, it just the egregious stuff needs to be taken out of the game. And, you know. Agreed. I didn't think, I didn't think we were going to go down this route tonight. If we're on the topic of controversial topics, though, here, uh, Alexander Ovechkin knocked Andrei Svechnikov out this week. Okay. Um there is a camp of people in the hockey world who like fighting. And there's the camp of people in the hockey world who do not like fighting. Um, I'll say this. I did not think 
what Alexander Ovechkin did was exactly warranted. And I'll, and I want to explain my reasoning here. Um, I am not someone who thinks fighting should be entirely taken out of the game. Um, if you don't agree with me on that, I'll be happy to debate you on why I feel that way. Um, I don't think it needs to be as crazy as it used to be where you have guys that are just straight goons on the ice every game. But I don't think it's something that needs to be entirely removed as well. I don't think you need to take the whole aspect of it out of the game. Um, I just, I think that's a little extreme, but I did not like what happened with Alexander Ovechkin, Andrei Svechnikov this week, because if you're Alexander Ovechkin, right, this kid's 18 years old, uh, his first time in the Stanley Cup playoffs, first time really, you know, he's, he's finishing his first season in the league. He challenges you to a fight. You, you have a lot of pounds on the kid. You have height on the kid. You know, what's going to happen. I'm not sure he needed to do what he did. I don't think that risking the health of Svechnikov was entirely warranted in that, in that case. And it was a case where if I was Alexander Ovechkin, I would be like, okay, kid, like, you know, watch what you're saying. And I probably would have given him a nice hip check or check into the boards over the next course of the game, taking him out that way instead of knocking him basically out. Um, I don't know if fighting in the game you know, I, I guess the best thing for me to say here is that there doesn't need to be as much of it. But, you know, I'm not someone who wants it entirely removed. And this is a tricky topic within the hockey world now. You know, it's something that, you know, a lot of people debate and there's a lot of different angles here. And, you know, while we're here talking about, you know, suspensions and setting precedents here, you know, JL, I'll start with you on this one. What precedent did that set? Or what do you think – do you think that in any way what Alexander Ovechkin did, and personally I want to preface this, I love Alexander Ovechkin. I think he's a phenomenal player. I've always liked him. But I don't think that what took place during that game with Carolina and Washington was entirely warranted. And I, you guys can tell me I'm crazy. You guys can agree with me. But that's why we're here to discuss things. So, Jail, you know, I know it's a lot. I just talked for about a little while about it. But what do you, what do you think about this whole thing? Because, honestly, it is a tricky topic. Okay, well, here's my thing, all right? If you take a look at the replays, Svechnikov was the one that instigated the fight, okay? Now, before uh, yeah, I begin before, before, yes. before yeah. I begin about that, okay, I understand that, you know, you know that a, a, lot of, a lot of things that happen in hockey can result in concussions, and there's a big topic about, you know, uh, brain issues and, and, and concussion issues, which is fully understandable, and actually the statistics show that a lot of the, a lot of the concussions that happen um, – uh, that happen to players generally happen through hits, whether it's legal hits or illegal hits, and the low percentages on fighting. Now, that being said, okay, Svechnikov was the one that instigated the fight. Fighting is allowed in hockey, okay? Not to say that I'm 100% fully condoning it, but I'm in the camp of if you poke the bear, you are going to get what you poked, okay? You reap what you sow. Svechnikov tried Fair to be enough. a tough guy. 19 years old, and he, he he tried to, you know, it's kind of like prison rules where you, they always say when you get locked up, you always try and beat up the biggest guy in prison to show your worth. Well, that's probably what Svechnikov tried to do was, hey, let me go up to this Russian guy who's 30-something years old, and let me try and just give him the business. But what he failed to understand was Alexander Ovechkin is a big boy, okay? Just because he scores a lot of goals doesn't mean he can't throw his hands, okay? Compared to Svechnikov, who's 19 years old, I mean, come on. 
So you asked, you pretty much get what you're asking for. That was like me going up to like like Jason Momoa or, or, or Dave Bautista and trying to throw a fight. They'll snap me in half. But I asked for it because I instigated that. So Zvechnikov instigated it. He got what he deserved. It sucks that he hit his head on the floor. Ovechkin maybe should have been a little more mindful of maybe holding on to him as he fell down after he knocked his block off. But you know what? People could be, oh, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that. Well, you know, I, I, I mentioned previously that, you know, in the heat of the moment, you need to be aware of this stuff kind of like that. Yeah, fine. I get it. I, I realize I just said that. But in this kind of situation, it's a little different because when you're constantly going at it and you're in the heat of the moment, self-defense takes, you know, self-defense pops up right there, especially when you're getting ready to get punched in the face. Now, I don't know if any of you, ha- any of you guys here have ever been punched in the face before. I certainly have, not, to my, my, not on my own volition or anything like that, but... When you're in the heat of the moment of a fight, you know, sometimes things just don't click automatically and you start having regret after the fact. So do I necessarily want to say that it was a good thing? Uh, If it's allowed, okay, fine. But he got what he deserved. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be crass. No, I know you're you're not trying to be mean, but my my whole point is... Yeah, no, if you're going to go up to Ovechkin and you start throwing punches, you're going to get it. Yeah. That's true, but Alexander Ovechkin knows how strong he is, right? The guy's been playing the league for almost basically half his life. But in this sense, you have a rookie who, yeah, he wants to make a statement. He wants to show that he's not afraid. He wants to, you know, he's egging Alexander Ovechkin on. But, you know, is this a case where Ovechkin should have been like, okay, this kid doesn't know what he's asking for. Do you under, do you kind of understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, here, no, Dale? I get it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I understand, and 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 I, I I agree with that somewhat because you know him being a veteran, he should have maybe dialed it back just a little bit. But again, you have to understand when it comes to fighting and even just fighting in general when you're in the moment, especially in the heat of a Stanley Cup playoff game. You know, there's very competitive guys. There's a ton of testosterone going on the ice. So sometimes things just spark up and they happen. So you can't really blame him for trying to defend himself because what would have happened if Svechnikov would have actually landed one good on him? Maybe he's the one that's going to get hurt, and he ends up hurting his team's chances. Oh, oh. So, I mean, in terms of, in terms of the fight, I mean, yeah, whatever happens during the fight happens during the fight. Okay, I understand yeah. your point there. But my point was, if you're Ovechkin, you already know how this is going to go. You know, it's, that, you know it, it's just, for me, it's, you know, and Ovechkin expresses regret that Sovechnikov got hurt and everything. So, you know, I, yeah, I, no, obviously I greatly respect that. But yeah. it's just a whole thing where you have to ask yourself if, is what happened there really what you want to be seeing, like, take place during – arguably the most the the time of year when the sport is viewed the most mm-hmm. so obviously obviously very tricky topic of conversation zach what do you have to add to this where what, where do you stand on the whole fighting thing and did you feel the response by alexander ovechkin was warranted so i'm i'm more with jl on this um i think that you know after rewatching the 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 extended video clip, you see Svechnikov trying to go to Ovechkin into something. Um, Ovechkin does ask if he really wants to go, and you can see Svechnikov nod his head a couple of times um, if you're looking for it. Um, so, you know, he, Svechnikov uh, messed with the bowl and got the horns. 
Um, you know, obviously we all hope he's okay. But, you know, I, I'm of the mindset where fighting in hockey isn't going away, but it's certainly not what it used to be. And we've seen it um, over the last few years even. Tanner Glass, Cody McLeod with the Rangers, uh, guys who were uh, with the team for the purpose of sticking up for teammates and playing that old style of uh, of drop the gloves, uh, bloodbath hockey, that's pretty much gone. You have a couple guys who are willing to get involved in skirmishes, um, Jimmy VC, Tony D'Angelo, uh, Brendan Lemieux, uh, three guys that stick out for me with the Rangers team. But the days of uh, Dave Semenko and and uh, Jeff Bukaboom and Matthew Barnaby just running around hitting people uh, are over. So I think Sveshnikov, I think he learned a valuable lesson. Uh, don't mess with the guy who can kick your butt. Um, you know, we've seen Ovechkin through the years, how physical he can play uh, just in the matchups with the Rangers. Uh, Sveshnikov learned that lesson. Um, but uh, yeah, he did. I... I, I I, I find it hard to blame Ovechkin simply because he did ask, you know, he wanted to make sure that Svechnikov was understood that, you know, there was a chance he was going to get his butt kicked, and he did. And that's what happened. I, I do think that, you know, in a situation like this, where it's a veteran and a rookie, I, you know, the rookie has to be smarter. I get what he was trying sure. to do, and if you look yeah. at, and 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 if you look at, it's funny because if you look at, if you watch the game or if you look at the stats afterwards, because uh, I was watching a clip from TSN uh, or Sportsman, I'm not sure earlier today, the Hurricanes only let up ten shots the whole rest of the game, and they tallied something close, like close to forty. So whatever Svechnikov was trying to do. His team down two nothing in the series, first home playoff game in the decade. Um, I guess it worked, but at what cost? So, and I think that's a that's a know, good way to put it. So, you know, I think he learned the lesson. It's fair to say, um, <laughs> and obviously this this is for bigger discussion. So please, our listeners out there, I'd love to hear your views on this, especially with fighting and how you know there's a big core of people that want to take him fully out of the game. There's people that think it is integral to the spirit of the game so you know in the comments on our page let us know uh let's have some good discussion on this because i'm very curious for everyone's thoughts so and you know, also, moving on from, and also, from the concussions and the fighting also, oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. so well just to tie it back to what you're talking about before with the refereeing the 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 reason why fighting was such a big deal was because it or why why a lot of people like it is that it was considered a way to police the game. Well, if referees are calling the 7-8 cross-checks, then guys don't need a fight. So I, I think it all it all ties in, in a sense. The special Cabo Veskin fight was just two guys dropped the gloves and one guy came out on top and the other guy didn't. Uh, but but I, I think that part of the, you know, you see guys retaliate for penal and, and get penalties or uh, scrums near the benches. If referees just called that and they said we're not taking any any uh, unnecessary nonsense, 
uh, after the whistle or, or or when guys are making line changes, then then things like this don't necessarily have to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. If the if the game's policed a little more, things like this won't happen. But uh, you know, moving on here to uh, the other series. So I guess let's take a look at how the you know the eight series have gone. We've discussed the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Blue Jackets. Uh, but the other sweep I would love to discuss here with our own hated rivals, the New York Islanders, taking out the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games. But man, you really you know. For all our rivalry with them, how much we you know we don't like them, we don't like that organization. But you gotta give it to Barry Trotz and what he did this year and what he is continuing to do. I mean, the Islanders look like a force right now, and it is really crazy to see that. But it's amazing what good coaching and motivation can bring to a team. So JL, you know, watching the series with the Islanders and the Penguins, is this the decline? of Pittsburgh, similar to how Chicago, when they got swept by the Preds a few years ago, was the start of Chicago's true decline? Or are the Islanders just that good? I I think, you know, and, and I hate to put a, a thorn into Islander fans' hearts, even though I thoroughly enjoy doing it. Um, I, I don't think this is necessarily a series of the Islanders being as good as they think they are, rather than Pittsburgh being as bad as they you know as as bad as they actually are um i think pittsburgh just kind of fell flat same thing goes for tampa bay i i think just pittsburgh just didn't really have that second gear that they usually get during the playoffs i mean there were certain teams that you know obviously we've seen it you know when when they've won the stanley cup sometimes those teams weren't exactly the best teams on the ice but they somehow managed to pull it off because they always had that second gear that they can go to and they always go deep into the playoffs going off that second gear and they weren't able to do that because i i just you know the physicality of the islanders just took over and you know when you're not doing anything on offense and the other team's physically outplaying you then the other team's going to end up scoring sooner or later. That's how hockey works. So, personally, I, I think the series was more about how bad Pittsburgh was and how, you know, the team is going to look in the near future. I don't think this team is going to be good in the next year or so. I mean, obviously, you have Crosby and Malkin, and I still think they're on the hook for Kessel for another year or so. So, obviously, they're going to have some stuff there, but I think – uh, the guys in Pittsburgh are going to have their work cut out for them in the summer. I think I was reading something earlier today, and there was it was on the source, and I looked at my phone, and I saw that I uh, said that you know Crosby and Malkin are untouchable in trades, and I'm thinking, crap, are they already trying to blow the team up? So you know Pittsburgh has a lot of good pieces, and if they were smart, they would do what the New York Rangers should have done at the end of that Game 7 loss at the Eastern Conference Final against Tampa Bay and just decided to blow everything up and just start infusing youth. Because if there's one thing that Sidney Crosby knows how to do well is infuse the youth from all the young players around him and put it back inside of his body. You know what I mean? As weird as that sounds like a vampire, for goodness sake. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you see all this talk. You're you're right about trading stars and, like, seeing if, you know, if, if Pittsburgh really should start retool, rebuild. I mean, look, you still have Crosby, you still have Malkin, but, you know, I've seen some people suggest maybe trading Malkin for other pieces, but, you know, Pittsburgh has a lot of decisions they need to make this offseason if they want to keep that window open, which it is slowly, slowly closing. But uh, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, congrats, Honestly, we got to give some congratulations to the Islanders. We'll see what they do, but 
You know, yeah, I'll be petty. You know, it's all about, it's all about respecting your rivals. The heck with that. <laughs> but you know what? I'll be petty. The heck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, you know, you know, we don't want them to do too well, but I think what they've done this year, you know, it, it, no, it warrants it's admirable. them. Yeah, it's it's admirable. Absolutely. No, it's, so, it's admirable. You know, seeing, seeing them just kind of, you know, it's always nice to see them get stomped off. But, you know, it, it, rivalries are always better when all the teams are good. Both teams are good. Exactly. Yeah. So moving on, you have. Uh, Toronto and Boston, who tonight, the series is now tied 2-2 with Boston winning game four by a score of 5-4 to four, with 42-year-old Zidane Ochara getting the game-winning goal. Uh, pretty cool, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, Zach, this series, everyone has been penning the series to go seven from the start. Do you still see the series going seven? And if anyone has momentum in the series, or uh, if, you, if you have a gut feeling, who do you think will ultimately be moving on to face the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in round two? Yeah, there's no way this series – let me rephrase. There's no way this series doesn't go less than six games. How's that? For dodging the I mean, yeah, that, that, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true at this point, yes. Um, no, I, I think – personally, I, I believe that it, it's going to come down to who wants it more because these two teams, bitter rivals, original six, uh, you have the youth – of Toronto against the grizzled veterans in Boston, some former Stanley Cup, some Stanley Cup champions in Bergeron and Chara um, and Marchand, I believe, and a few others. So it's really just going to come down to who wants it more. I think Toronto comes out with it um, just as a gut feeling. I think they have too much talent not to get to the second round. Um, but, you know, we said the same thing about Tampa, and they got swept. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. The biggest takeaway for me from that series so far um, was Mitch Marner's play at the end of game three. Blocking oh, absolutely, two shots. with the blocks, yeah. Blocking the two shots, one of them while he was already down um, on the ground with, you know, under three seconds left to steal the win. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that even if you aren't already a superstar in the making like Marner is, um, that's the kind of stuff that endears you not only to your to the to your fans, but to your teammates and coaches as well. That series is definitely gonna be one to keep an eye on as things go on, but I'm hoping Toronto could pull it off. I mean, I'm not a big Bruins guy. I mean they're one of those teams I just never, ever, ever liked. Besides, you know, I mean, you're a Ranger fan. We're all Ranger fans, so we obviously don't like the Bruins, but I just really don't like the Bruins for some reason. Brad Marchand really bothers me. So, you know, at least my, he's not licking people about the Bruins? Here, right? Yeah, go ahead. What about the I'd Bruins? I'd like to add something about the Bruins that just – it just seems to irk me that outside of the – outside of, like, the regular players, like, you know, Pasternak, Bergeron, and, uh, you know, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, and even Chara. I don't necessarily think the team is really, uh, and McAvoy, rather. I don't necessarily yeah. think the team is really as good as everyone makes them out to be. I think they're reminiscent of the, uh, you know, the Rangers teams to where they would just kind of work hard and they have some talent that kind of gets some stuff. I really hope Toronto wins because I just, I, I can't stand to see another Boston team do well. Oh, I don't, I I don't understand, honestly, yeah. you know. That city has been blessed with championships over the past about 20 years, and it's absolutely ridiculous. It, it's it's insane. So hopefully Toronto can pull it off. And I would personally love to see a Toronto-Columbus 
uh, clash in the second round. I think that'll be a really cool series. Uh, so, you know, we talked about Ovechkin, Svechnikov. We haven't talked about the hockey in that series. Um, I personally have been loving the play in that series. I think the Hurricanes are giving the Caps all they can give them. Um, my question is, though, JL, do you think that with their 5-0 winning game three that the Hurricanes have grabbed some momentum from the Capitals, or do you think that they're just prolonging the inevitable here? I I, I honestly think the Hurricanes are really going to give Washington a run for their money. I I, I... I, I was so impressed with that last game where they were just all over the place, but in a good way. They were just on top of them. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, the fire that not only did the building have, but the uh, the way that the Hurricanes are just all over Washington. It was it was just so so good. Oh, I I thoroughly enjoyed that. I honestly really think that. If if the Hurricanes don't win the series, it's gonna go seven. That's just my personal opinion. Ooh, okay. Both, both okay. teams are playing wildly awesome right now, and honestly, I think this is probably some of the best hockey I've seen in the playoffs over the last couple of seasons. I feel like there's a little bit more of an edge. Maybe it's because I'm paying a little more attention. But even when the Rangers were in it, you know, I guess you're so focused on the Rangers that you don't tend to notice some of the other series, but I guess when your team's not in the playoffs, you tend to notice things more, but you know, I just, I feel like there's more of an edge this year, and I see it in this series, it's so good, oh man, and then you know with the whole storm surge and the bunch of jerks thing, it just it adds to it this is why hockey's so great, I love it, you know, Absolutely. So I think this series goes seven, and I think I, I want Carolina to win, but I think Washington, with the experience, ends up edg- edging it yeah. out. But I think they're going to go seven. That's exactly how I feel too. I'd love if the if the bunch of jerks down there could pull it off, and you know you see Aho and Taro Vinen and you know Sebastianikov when he gets back, these guys just take over, and you know they they show the Hurricanes are going to be a force for years to come. But I think that Ovechkin and company are going to you know take them off cloud nine of the of this you know getting into the playoffs for the first time in a decade. I think Ovechkin and company will take care of business in six or seven games here. Um, Now we shift to the West. Uh, The first series I really want to talk about here, and it has implications for the New York Rangers, is the St. Louis Blues and Winnipeg Jets. Uh, The series is currently tied with two games, with the next game taking place tomorrow night. Well, I guess tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. And Zach... What have you thought about this series in a series that is seemingly so even in a series that, you know, we see Kevin Hayes, which is nice to see him doing well, but we also see the emergence, the true emergence of Jordan Bennington, who's proven that he's not just a regular season guy and that he can get it done in the playoffs. Uh, What have your thoughts been on this series? And, you know, I mean, it helps if the St. Louis Blues win this series, but do you think, uh, who's your favorite right now? I, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I haven't watched much of the West, uh, the Western Conference, but, you know, from from what I've seen, uh, you know, Bennington, you know, take away the last game um, where they got blown out, the Blues, but, um, you know, Bennington's had a really good year. Um, he won't win the Calder, uh, not with Elias Pettersson, the way he played this season at least, but... Um, he definitely had a Calder caliber rookie season uh, after coming up in the middle of uh, of the Blues year. But you know, 
for for me, Bennington's been good. Um, I think it's his net now. They have to forget what to do with Jake Allen. Kevin Hayes, though, I mean, I know he's scored, but, you know, we talked about this in our uh, group chat today on Twitter. Perhaps, and, and no one pushed back on me when I wrote this, maybe he's ha- Hayes had such a good year this year with the Rangers because he finally had a coach holding him accountable, right? A.V., who we uh, have yet to mention, thank God. Um, well, sorry, I ruined it, but... Um, who's now going to the Flyers? Mm-hmm. Who, who's now going? Who's now going to the Flyers? Never, never like help his players to a certain standard of what's acceptable in terms of effort. So guys like Hayes were able to, to pun intended here, skate by and just do the minimum in terms of helping the team. Whereas David Quinn said, if you don't play hard and you don't play smart, you don't play, period. So I think that's kind of helped Hayes this year. Um, how it's manifested itself with the Jets, you know, fortunately for Hayes, he's on a team where he doesn't have to be the number two center um, or the or even a top five player on his team, like he had to be with the Rangers. So if he flips in production a little bit, no one's really going to notice as long as the team's winning. Um, so I, I think he's in a situation where it, as long as he plays well and he plays his game, he'll be fine. Um, you know, I, obviously I, I'd like I, – I think the Jets will win the series anyway. Uh, I think they're too good of a team. But, again, uh, we said that with the Lightning and they got swept. We, we all thought the Penguins would, would – Beat the Islanders just from their experience, and they got swept. So, yeah, these Jeff playoffs Webb's have been proven to be unpredictable, too. especially this year. Yeah. I mean, so you're absolutely it's, right. It's I mean, such, look, it's such a crap. Colum- yeah, and with Columbus basically destroying everyone's brackets, anything can happen at this point. And now the series, I knew I had to ask JL about because of, the, of a guy that's on a certain team that he just loves and won't <laughs> shut up about is the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks. Now, so the San Jose Sharks are currently down three to one to the Vegas Golden Knights with the, with jail's favorite player on the San Jose Sharks who, you know, he's looked a little tentative in this series, but I'll let JL explain this series and why he thinks that I already know why he thinks the San Jose Sharks will come back and win in seven. Take it away, buddy. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think you're wrong. I don't think San Jose is going to come back. Oh, you <laughs> I don't? don't? Think I, I, I thought, don't. I thought that guy on the blue line is, you know, really, okay, really okay. amazing all right. and good, right? All right, all right, all right. First of all, hold your horses. Secondly, how dare you? Third third of all, okay? Uh, all right. If anyone knows me, they know that I have a very strong like for Eric Carlson, okay? If you check the site, I wrote a piece about it last summer when the whole uh, rumors of uh, Carlson going to the Lightning or going to the Sharks and whatever. And ironically enough, I think just around the time I wrote that article, the power went out at my house. So I don't know if that's some kind of premonition. But anyways, um the the series Vegas they're just Vegas is too good. And when it comes to Carlson, he, he looks off and 
he he's a dyna- Carlson's a dynamic player. He he's hurt. You can see it. He's hurt. Uh, it doesn't help that the rest of his defense is kind of hanging him out to dry, so he can't really do what he can. The reason why, again, I'm so hung on Carlson is that what he did to the Rangers that one year will never leave me. And I honestly thought that he was going to potentially do the same for San Jose this time around, but you can tell he's hurt. And then it doesn't help that San Jose's not really doing as much as they should. You know, I, I was making this observation to myself last night while I was watching the game, and I'm looking at their forwards, and, and then I'm looking at the forwards of Vegas, and Vegas says, you know, Stasny, uh, Stone, who was just absolutely lighting it up, William Carlson, Max Pacioretty, who was just en fuego right now. And I'm saying to myself, wow, San Jose doesn't really have that punch. Yeah, Evander Kane is good. Yeah, Logan Couture is good. But it doesn't seem like they're they're sparking a fire under these guys. And it just seems like the defense is off, and they just look like they're just an amalgamation of players put together that is just kind of put out there to see what happens. And all of this makes me feel bad for Eric Carlson because he's so good, you know? So I honestly think the series is not going to go far unless San Jose magically somehow turns into, you know, you know, this some this miracle team and and just takes over Vegas. The atmosphere, the team, and the drive that Vegas has will not be trumped by San Jose unless some miracle happens. So yes, if you want me to gush more about Eric Carlson, we can do a separate podcast about that. Fuck <laughs> your ear off. About it well, for a whole no, thank freaking, you. you know hour. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Zach. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you're right in, in talking about Mark Stone and uh, Max Pacioretty and Paul Stassi because right now that is the best line in hockey. They've combined for something like 28 points in four games or something ridiculous like that. I mean, they're just getting it done. Mark Stone has a playoff hat trick. I mean, Stassi and Pacioretty. You know, the chemistry is just really forming between these three guys and. Vegas has found themselves one explosive line to maybe ride all the way to the Stanley Cup. I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if we see a Vegas-Columbus final, something totally random like that? But see, that's also the reason why I love the parity in this league and why it's my favorite league in the world as opposed to something like, you know, I love the NBA, but it really stinks how the champ is basically known in the preseason. And with the NHL, you really can't say that. Just by looking at the bracket right now and seeing what teams are doing is unreal. Um, as we move to the last two series, uh, the first one, which is actually ongoing as we speak, Calgary and Colorado, which has been an awesome series so far. Game one was ridiculous performance from Mike Smith, but games two and three have gone to the Colorado Avalanche. No, uh, no part and thanks to Nathan McKinnon and company who are just tearing it up offensively. Uh, Zach, let's hear from this one for you. You know, you say you haven't seen much of the West, but, you know, Nathan McKinnon, and, you know, Ranton and Landeskog, that line all year was terrorizing people. And now in the playoffs, it seems like they're starting to get their mojo back. Uh, if, the, if the Avalanche take the Flames down, that would mean both number one seeds will be gone in the first round. Uh, you know, can you see the Avalanche making some kind of run here, or will the Flames shut them down? Uh, I think, well, this was actually the one series I have been watching, but um, from the West at least. I think the Avalanche – are are better than some people credit for. I think they're able to roll. Uh, at, I mean, they they roll four lines, but I think their first, their top three lines are are solid. Um, I've always liked um, J T. Comfort as a as a bottom six player. 
Uh, I think Eric Johnson, uh, who's been in the league for seemingly an eternity, um, has found his his younger legs uh, in these playoffs. Um, McKinnon is one of the best players in the league. Um, His skill at high speed is something that hasn't been seen in quite some time. Um, Landeskog, Rantanen, uh, they're all getting it. They're all getting back into form. Um, and that line's been separated, um, and they've still been producing, and, and the team has still been producing, I should say. So uh, I, I like the Avalanche. I think Mike Smith is too much of a wild card for me. You know, I still remember every, you know, every time he comes out to play the puck, uh, it can be an adventure. So I, th- this series is all about the young talent in the game. Goudreau, Kachuk, um, McKinnon, um, Rantanen, Monaghan, uh, Landeskog is older already, but... Or Zach, you're forgetting by... a big one too, man. Someone who scored his first NHL goal in the first period of his first NHL game a few nights ago. Yeah, Cal, McC- Cal McCarr. I know, but I, I'm... Yeah, but you know me. I'm not. I'm not such a prospect guy. <laughs> um, no, look. It, what McCarr did was certainly impressive, but you know he's being thrown in. You know the same thing with Chris Kreider when he first started. Kreider's yeah. first games were in the playoffs. Came out with a bang. Um, and you know we'll have to see what McCarr does over an 82 game season. Um, and yeah, for you know, certainly... for future McCarr talk, we will have fellow Forever Blue Shirts contributor, Mr. Jim, on the podcast. For those of you that don't know him, <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> loves Gail McCarr. So we will have him on during the summer to talk prospects. But continue, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's basically it. I think I think it's it's a I think the series goes six or seven. Um, Calgary's up one nothing at the end of two. Uh, as we are recording this podcast. So if they can hold on, the series will definitely go at least six. Um, And and we'll see how she goes. But this series is is really what the NHL is is looking for going forward. The high skill, high high speed, solid defense, solid goaltending. This series is what, the NHL wants uh, their brand to be over Absolutely. the next few years. And if you, if you, I think if the NHL could pick one series to truly market the game, this is the one you pick. Uh, all young stars, all guys, you know, with the exception of Mike Smith, but still playing out of his mind in, for the Calgary Flames. I mean, young, young stars on both teams, really powerful offenses, good smooth skating defense. This is the series that you want to show a hockey fan if they have not seen the game before, for sure. Which brings us to our final series of the first round, the Dallas Stars and the National Predators, which also has uh, implications for our Rangers. Um, if the Dallas Stars make the Western Conference final and Matt Zuccarello plays 50% of the games, we get a first-round pick in, in uh, I believe, this year's draft. And if Zuccarello resigns with the Dallas Stars, we get a first-round pick in next year's draft. So uh, Dallas tied the series tonight with a dominating 5-1 win over the Predators. JL, we've all been keeping track of the series as Ranger fans because we want the best for Matt Zuccarello, as always. Um, of course. You know, Dallas's defense is finally starting to come to play with Miro Heiskanen, uh, John Klingberg, oh. Esselin Dell, all their D, like, kind of 
uh, maturing at the same time. You combine them with a high-powered offense led by Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov, and now Matt Zuccarello. You have the makings of a team that, you know, I've seen a lot of people call a dark horse in the West. Do you think this Dallas team could push the Preds down and then possibly make a run? Absolutely. I was watching uh, Mira Heiskanen skate the other night, and we were in the chat discussing this, and, and, and I was I was just raving. I was in my room eating uh, eating some food, as I generally do at night, terribly unhealthy. <laughs> but uh, I'm watching the series, and it was I, I, I had to put my food down because I was just in awe of this kid's skating ability. And the thing that I see from Dallas is Dallas has that second gear that I had spoken about before with Pittsburgh. Like, they're just tenacious. And, you know, it's no knock on Nashville because Nashville has had their moments in this series as well. I mean, Philip Forsberg just is an absolute animal of a hockey player. Um, and Pecorine has kept a lot of the, a lot of those, you know, iffy so moments, you know, from turning into some really bad ones outside of what happened, you know, tonight. But all in all, I think this is probably one of the more even series, but I think I think Dallas is going to end up, you know, edging them out because it just seems like Nashville is a step behind. Everyone on the team's a little bit older. They're still a st- stupendously talented team, uh, Nashville, but it just seems like Dallas has a little more of an edge. And again, Matt Zuccarello scoring goals for Dallas is making me incredibly emotional. <laughs> I mean, he's when the fans start going zook and he's scoring goals. Like I'm watching the replay right now, and I see him just wristing one right in the middle of the slot. I mean, oh my gosh, just seeing him happy just reminds me. It took me back to when he scored those two goals against Montreal, April 22nd, 2017, against Montreal. He scored those two goals for us to win it that first series, and it's just oh. Somebody hand me a tissue. I'm going to start crying over here. But I think Dallas ends up edging it out because I think that they're just a little bit quicker. And I want to say this series will probably go six or seven. Yeah, I definitely think that series is probably going to go. I think at this point it's going to go seven. Um, I think ultimately Dallas will come out on top. I think their defense is just as mobile as Nashville's is. And I think people are really seeing how good Miro Heiskanen is and how good he's going to be. I mean, look at that blue line in Dallas with, Heiskin and Lindell and Klingberg, you know, they're really doing a good job building things up on that side of the ice now. So good for the Dallas Stars. And, you know, honestly, good for Matt Zuccarello. I'm glad the guy is happy and enjoying playing hockey again. Um, So that concludes talking about our first rounds, first round series. Unfortunately, God, I wish the Rangers were in the playoffs. We are going to get back there soon. And one of the guys that is going to lead that turnaround, you best believe, is our boy Capo Caco, who will 95% (laughs) be here next season. Um, over the past few days, it's you know it's been heavily implied that the New Jersey Devils are going to pick Jack Hughes. I don't see why they wouldn't at this point, but we can go over that another time. Point being, we're going to go into the assumption here that we are going to get Capocaco, and let's talk about this because um, we have to touch on our boys here before we sign off. Uh, if you are David Quinn, who has already been raving about Capocaco, and if you just have to do a quick Twitter search on the Rangers Twitter or uh, the posts, uh, Larry Brooks's stuff, and you'll see how much David Quinn uh, respects and admires this kid already. Uh, do you think, uh, Zach, we'll start with you here. Do you think uh, next year, Kako is obviously going to make the big club? I, I, there's, there's no chance this kid is going to Hartford. But do you think right off the bat, do we see him put right into a top six role? I mean, I, I think you kind of have to. Um, not because 
he's the number two pick, but because of what he did in the Finnish league, I think as, what is he, 18 years old, 19 years old, um, putting up the points he did in a, in a grown man's league, as the saying goes, uh, one of the best leagues in the world. Um, you kind of have to allow him to play to his strengths. Uh, the interesting thing will be how the lineup shakes out. You know, with Mika, the first line, you know, Kako second, and then you have all the other uh, highly coveted center prospects, Filipino, Elias Anderson, Red Howden, uh, 3-4. You have Ryan Strom. You have Bunyevich. Um So who goes out to the wing? Who's, who stays or goes to Hartford? Um, and, and how – the other point is how Quinn's going to want to utilize his incoming wingers. Um, Vitaly Kratsov, who appears to be coming over – uh, overseas this summer as well. Does he go into a top six role? And if he does, is he on a line with Capo Caco? And do you keep the KZB line together, uh, assuming Kreider and Buchnevich are both here to start next season? Um, these, you know, it's still, it's barely, it's not even the end of April yet. Um, and there's already a lot to look forward to in terms of question marks. Uh, good question marks for the Rangers this offseason. Absolutely. I mean, it's – I haven't seen an offseason this exciting for us in a long time, and it all starts with that second pick where undoubtedly Kapokaka will be wearing a blue shirt come June. Uh, JL, you know, we're getting a franchise-changing player. Does David Quinn stick him in the top six and just let the kid play? Uh yeah, he kind of has to because, I mean, this is what we've been clamoring for, you know, over the last couple of years now. So I would assume that Buchnevich's advantage at Kreider, you know, seeing Kreider's here next season, uh, and then you, let's just say they get Panarin, you know, you stick him on a line with, you know, Panarin, Kratzoff, Kako. I mean, come on, that's that's beastly, you know, and then you have the other forwards, Howden, Lemieux, Fast, VC, Nemestikov, all battle it out. Obviously, Brendan Lemieux is going to be a guy that's going to be here because he's a spark plug, but I absolutely think that uh, he's going to be a top six, and I personally, I, I think you stick him with Vitaly Kratsov and just throw either a Heedle or, or someone else in on that wing. How can you possibly go wrong? We're at the point now where we can actually start throwing these kids out Put some little, put some more supplemental talent on there, and it might actually work. They played well with less, so you put more with the whatever team you have now, you might actually have yourself something. So I honestly think that would be the case. You keep KZB together, and then you just patchwork the rest of it. Even if you get Panarin, stick him on the second line, Panarin, uh, Kratsov, and Kako, and then you have Anderson, Heedle, and a VC or a Nemestikov or a Lemieux on that third line, and then you fill everything else out. This team is in great shape right now, and I, I think he's he, he's definitely a top six forward next season. Absolutely, and I think you're right in saying that he has to be because of how high you're getting this kid. You know, put him with Vitaly Kravtsov, and I think you need to see what Filipito is at the center ice position. I really think they need to evaluate that because they drafted him as a center. You could also put Leah Sanderson there and see what he's got. I mean, playing with skill guys is never a bad idea, and putting three of our top prospects together – 
and just letting them play and seeing what magic they could bring might not be such a bad idea. And as the season goes on, obviously you can switch things around. But I, I for one, am very excited to see what Kako and Krabsov can do together. That's going to be some magic. Um, Ooh, so hot dog. obviously we have a lot to look forward to here. It's going to be real. It's going to be a fantastic off season. Uh, and it honestly training camp get, can't get, not get here soon enough. Uh, thank you for joining us this week, everyone. We'll be back at the beginning of the second round to discuss second round matchups, our predictions on who is going to win. And as we get closer to the draft, we're going to try to get some special guests on for you. And of course, after the draft, we will have analysis of the picks and over the summer, we will have obviously more Rangers content for you as things go on here. Keep it with us at foreverblueshirts.com. Keep listening to us on the podcast. And please, any feedback, any discussion, anything you guys want us to know, tweet at us. Leave some comments. Let us know what's going on. If you want to see anything that we can improve, if you think we're wrong about shit, let us know. If you think that there's stuff that we could do better, let us know. If you like what we're doing and you want to compliment one of our writers or someone on the podcast, let us know. We're always trying to get better here. So thanks for joining us. And, you know, even though they're not in the playoffs, they're always in the back of our mind. Let's go, Rangers. Enjoy the playoffs, guys. And the draft cannot get here soon enough. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up.